Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 21. And uh, let's start reading those together. Acts chapter 9, 1 through 21. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the rest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on, the, on a mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, the Lord, yes, Lord he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now, and I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man had done to believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and the kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He, let, he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He regained his sight. He got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food, regained his strength. I'm going to go ahead and uh, read here. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. Immediately, he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them to change uh, to the leading priest? So we'll get into more of that here as we go. But listen, here's, the, here's what happens. You remember, and we talked about last week, Stephen was being stoned. He was being uh, martyred. He was being persecuted. He was being killed. And Saul was right there. He was watching the whole thing. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says that Saul was in full agreement of what happened. He was totally fine with it. He was in agreement with it. I personally think... He watched. Here's what he saw. He saw a man who was so solid, who in the midst of persecution stayed true to what he believed. In the midst of knowing his life is on the line, he stayed true to what he knew was the truth. He stayed true to his walk with the Lord. And then even as they were killing him, he says to, to God in his final breath, Lord, forgive these people. Don't hold this against them. And Saul is watching this happen. I believe that that was messing with him a little bit. I don't see how it couldn't. I think it was like, man, there's something going on inside of him that no one else knows about. Well, you get over to chapter 9, and now he's really going full speed ahead. Because sometimes, you know, when you start to have a sense of something, change 
potential change. Sometimes it causes you to go stronger the other way. Sometimes that can happen. So here's Paul now saying, hey, you know what? I, wanna, I want permission to arrest every Christian, every person following the way of the Lord. We just, let's, let's, let's get them, bring them back in change. That's what's his plan as he's on this road. Well, here's what happens. Saul has an encounter with Jesus. Let me just tell you right now, when Jesus comes on the scene, things are going to change. I'm just going to tell you, things are going to change. Here's Saul on this road, and the road that he thought at the beginning was a road that he was going to continue to wreak havoc among the people of God. And that was his, even when he was talking about it, he was saying, as I'm going, this is what I'm going to do. I want permission to get and arrest these people that I see on the way. And his whole purpose was to wreak havoc on them. But Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up, and all of a sudden this, this light's there, and Paul's like, hey, who? Who is this? Who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. We talked about that last week. Listen, when people come against you for standing up for what's right, it's not you. It's Jesus that they have a problem with. It's it's, it's Jesus. It's, It's right standing that people have a problem with sometimes. Because when everybody wants to accept everything, it's all okay. We live in this world. Everything's fine. Listen, there are some things, according to the word, that's not fine. And we have to stand lovingly with what the word says. Our foundation has to be on the word. That's number one. So Jesus says, listen, I'm I'm the one that you're persecuting. So then he has this encounter and and Paul gets up and he realizes now that he's, he's blind. He goes, they lead him to Damascus. And then here's where the Lord appears to Ananias and says, I want you to go pray for Saul. Now, this is where, uh, when I first started studying this, we were going to go a different direction. But as of uh, Friday, it kind of changed a little bit. Ananias said this to the Lord. "Uh, That's the guy who wants to take everybody out. Almost like thinking God doesn't know what he's doing. You know, you're, you're talking about that. I don't know if you know this about Saul. Um, I'm just, just wanting to help you here. He's not a nice man. He, he's, he's just not a nice man. And I'm one of those people that he's not nice to. So you want me to go pray for him, that he's be healed. Well, let, let me just tell you the direction that we're going to go. Well, let me finish this story first. Ananias goes out of obedience, and he prays. And Saul's eyes were open. But when Saul's eyes were open, it was more than a physical eye opening. There was something spiritual that happened in Saul's life when his eyes were open. And I think even part of that being blind could be just, a, just to give him a glimpse of what he's lived his whole life like. Blind to the things of God. Blind to the truth. But now he's, he's able to see and he sees even deeper because right after that happens, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's baptized. He gets some food in him. He gets his strength up and he goes and starts preaching. Listen, I don't usually recommend, hey, I, you know, hey, you gave your Lord to the Lord once you, go, once you preach on Sunday. But listen, he didn't preach like in the sense of, hey, I want to teach you all this. He began to share 
what happened to him. He began to share the love and the goodness of God. It changed his life so much that he instantly began to do what God called him to do. He didn't go to Bible college and say, you know, one day, one day I'm going to preach. I just got to get, you know, I just got to get enough knowledge. Listen, let me tell you the best way to preach is talk about what God's doing in you. Because that's what people want to know. They want to see it in you. And then you, can, you have the right to tell them because you're living it out. It's happening. But here's what we want to talk about today. I want to talk about hope. Because Ananias had this thought that, you know what, no, that can't be him. I'm not going there for him. See, no one really thought when Saul was at his worst moments celebrating the death of this, this, this man of God and, and fully in favor of that and coming against all the believers and coming against the Christians. I think everybody thought, well, you know, that's, that's, Paul, just, that's Saul. Just kind of stay away from him. People didn't see in Saul what God saw in Saul. People didn't know that Saul later would become Paul that would write a good portion in led by the Holy Spirit, that would write a lot of the, the New Testament. See, nobody saw that in him. People would give, hope, give up on him or think there's no hope. That's not that guy. I'm not going to pray for Not that guy. But see, Ananias, he did it out of obedience, but in the natural mind, he didn't want to do it. It didn't make sense. He didn't think it was for real. He was like, Lord, that's that guy. That's the guy that's too bad. And I'm just telling you, when Jesus shows up, bad can become good. Hurt can become healed. Sorrow can become joy. All because Jesus shows up. All because God shows up. We have to have hope. We have to have hope. So I'm, I'm going to take this and we're going to begin to just talk some about hope. Let me tell you a few re- things about hope. A few verses here. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. Very familiar passage. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Means this. He's getting ready to tell you the plans the Lord has. See, a lot of us say, hey, God knows my plans. No, he knows his plans for you. But they're not your plans. God knows what my plans are. No, God knows what his plans are for you. And here's what they are. They're plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. A hope. The Bible also says that Christ in you is the hope of all glory. Hope. We have to have hope. Look at this next verse. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you lose hope, you're sick. And I'm not talking just physically, but even physically, it'll make you sick. When you just lose all hope. I've seen people who who just gave up. And it destroyed them because they lost hope. You know, the word, even even physically sick, there's a lot of spiritually sick people because they've lost hope. They had their hope in the wrong thing and it let them down. We have to be people of hope. Can I just share something with you in the days and times that you're living in? There is still hope. In the, in, the, in the world and the country that you live in and decisions that are being made in this country alone, along with around the world, you still have hope. 
We have to begin to listen. If we have hope, it'll change. It'll change the way we talk. Can I tell you what is hurting the reputation of the church and Christians? Is the way a lot of people are responding to things that are happening. We're losing hope and getting all mad at everybody. When our hope shouldn't change. If it's in the right thing. Listen, everybody, can I just help you with something? There's a lot of people in this world that don't know Jesus. Can I just tell you that? So let's don't expect them to make all their decisions on this. We're holding people to a standard. They don't even know God. There's decisions being made even in our everyday life in companies and whatever with people that don't know God. And we just want to preach at them. But listen, if you have hope, you can just stand in the hope that you have and be an example to help turn the ship. But if we respond because we lose hope, then we're not giving anybody anything healthy. We're telling people, hey, oh, yeah, it, we're done now. Someone told me the other day, they said, listen, it's, it's this basically now the way the, the way the world is going, the church is going to struggle. And you know what I said? Your church might. But not thrive. Because God did not tell this church, I've called you to thrive, to flourish, to prosper. Well, except for when times get rough. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He's got a plan for us and he has a hope for us. It's part of what he has for us is a future and a hope. Look at Hebrews chapter uh, 6 verse 19. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Let me tell you what hope is. It's an anchor. All right. How many know what an anchor is? For you boat people. Or you non-boat people, this is an anchor. And it's a, it's a good one. Thanks, Chris, for letting me borrow it. All right, you know what this is for? Yeah, keep the boat from drifting away. Now, if you have this, if you have this anchor, okay, and you're, let's just say you're the boat, and you anchor it in the word, then guess what? You're not going to leave the word. You're anchored in it. You're anchored in, the, in, in Romans 8, 37 that says you're more than a conqueror through Jesus. Overwhelming victory is yours. You're anchored. So trouble comes. It's not taking me. Why? Because I'm anchored. I'm anchored in the word. I'm anchored in him. Okay, the word says, my God will supply all my needs. Guess what? Your business, it's uh, making some cuts, and you got picked. Guess what happens? Hey, for some reason, I'm not moved. Why? Because my anchor is in the word. It's in the word. You get a report from the doctor. There's no hope. Oh, I'm not moved. Because Luke 137 says that all things, all things 
are possible with my God. There's no such thing as no hope when it comes to God. That's, that's what we anchor in. Now, let's, say, let's go the other way. Let's say that your, your anchor now is in the government. And I'm not dogging the government. I'm just saying, listen, there's, we need to pray for our leadership. All right? We need to pray. If you're going to talk about them, you need to pray. Use your voice to talk to God. Because it, it never gives glory to God for you to dog people. Because for every stone you can throw, people can throw at you. But if your anchor is in our world's systems and standards, guess what? Then when, the, then, then when God wants to do something in you, you're too tied to the world. And then when the world system falls, you got nothing. You got nothing. You want to anchor in people? Man, my hope is in Pastor Scott. Whew, that brother. I got my anchor latched on to him. Guess what? Pastor Scott ain't perfect. You don't have to say amen to that, bro. <laughs> See, that was quick. Nope, 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 sure ain't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're right. All right, when that comes, guess what? Well, what, what, if, what if something happens and, and I move? Oh, man. I, I'm not going to hope. Huh? What if you call me and I, I, I don't get it? What if I don't answer my phone? You're a pastor. You shouldn't answer your phone. No. Call Jesus. Anchor in him. But if it's in me, listen, it's, it's not going to last. If it's anchored in your money, as long as, as long as I get that promotion, I'll be good. So your anchor is in this promotion or in this, this you know, oh, the stock market. Whatever. If it's all in money, guess what? Money can go. There's a lot of people that have a lot of money that aren't happy. Watch the news. Look at all these professional athletes. You had a $120 million signing bonus. Well, congratulations. But you're miserable. You can't even keep your life straight. And you got money to do anything you want. Because you're anchored in the wrong thing. You know the only thing, the only thing you can be anchored in that won't change is the Lord. Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. God said, I am God and I don't change. Anchor in the word. Grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. So where are you putting your anchor? Because that's hope right there. Your hope is only as strong as what it's anchored in. So if you have hope in this, listen, that's, not, that's really not much hope. Because your hope is in something that can change. You got to be anchored in the things of God. Let's keep going. Let's talk about being Having your hope in God. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, that's where your hope comes from, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. When you trust in him, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The hope in your life comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. God has given us the Holy Spirit for power and for hope. We got to connect there. 
33:22 Let your unfailing love surround us Lord for our hope is in you alone him alone Right our hope is in him alone you can't have hope in him and the world it's in him alone Psalms 42:5 42.5 says this, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope where? In God. I will praise him again. Listen, when you begin to get hopeless, you better remind yourself. Because when you don't have hope, when your hope is in the wrong thing, th this is what this verse is saying. Why am I discouraged? Because your hope's not in God. Because you don't have to put your hope in God if it's already there. Right? Right? That's like me saying, hey, I'm going to put my Bible on the, uh, on the podium. I don't say that if it's already on there, right? So if he's saying here, why am I so sad? Why am I discouraged? I will put my hope where it's supposed to be in God. If you're sad, you're discouraged, you're struggling, I'm here to tell you you have hope. But your hope is only as good as whatever that hope is in. And if you put your hope in God, you will be anchored for every storm that comes your way. Every storm that comes your way, you'll be anchored. And at the end of the storm, you'll still be right there where you are. Right there where you are, anchored in the word of God. Okay, look at uh, Psalm 62, verse 5. Let all that I am wait patiently, quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Got it? It's in him. Our hope is in him. He is our source of hope. And he gave us his word to help us. Sometimes you feel like, well, it'd be easier. I've said this before. Man, it'd be easier to talk to God if I could see him. Have you ever said that? You ever thought that? You ever had those, because sometimes for me, this might surprise y'all, but I can get distracted. Easy. I, <laughs> I come in here sometimes during the week, and one time I came in here, and I just, I'm just praying. I said, Lord, I want to talk to you. I want to hear from you. I just want to spend some time with you. I started talking to him, like, Lord, this is what I'm feeling. This is, you know, what do you have for us? What's going on? And how can I be better at this? And. And, Lord, I know that this is probably something that you're doing in me, and it's not comfortable. I'm just having these conversations. And then all of a sudden, I find myself looking at things that don't really matter and seeing things like the blinds. They don't, they're all not, you know, some are open, some are closed. So I go around, I'm opening those that are closed and, closed, you know, and trying to get them all the same. And, and then I see this outlet right in the middle. And it's crooked. You see that? It's crooked. I'm spending time with Jesus. And I'm, it's crooked. And I could just, you ever been on the phone with somebody and you know you lost them? Because they're doing something else, but they're not telling you? They're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, go over and put that. Yeah. You know that's what they're doing. You can tell. Because you can be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to drive off a cliff. Okay, yeah. So, what? I mean, you, people, we do that. But I know for me, there's times where I got I to gotta think, wait, if I could just see. See, if I'm talking, 
If I'm talking down here, I say I'm talking to Ben, I'm talking down here, and I'm like, hey, if I'm looking at him, then I'm, I'm good. But if I drift my eyes off, I get distracted. So we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. One of the best ways to do that is get in the Word. Because this is God's Word to you. This is, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. This is God, this is Jesus to us, this is, this is how we connect with Him. So let's look at what it means to have our hope in the, in the Word. Look at these, Psalms 119. We have a lot of these just in Psalms 119. Do not snatch your word of truth from me, for your regulations are my only hope. Let's keep going. May all who fear you find in me a cause for joy, for I have put my hope in your word. Let's keep going. Verse 81. I am worn out waiting for your rescue, but I have put my hope in your word. How many have ever felt worn out like God? Uh, hello, I'm still here waiting for that answer. And guess what he says? I'm worn out, but my hope is in you. You know what that means? That I'm not drifting away. I'm not drifting away. I'm tired. I've been believing. I've been praying. I've been, I've been confessing your word. I've been standing. And I'm worn out, waiting for the answer. But my hope is in you. So even when I'm tired, I still can't get away from the fact that you're faithful. I still can't get away from the fact of all that you do for me. I still can't get away from the fact that your word says that you're never slow, that you're never late, that you're faithful, that you're a God of your word and you keep all of your promises. So even when you're tired, you'll never get away from that. If your hope is in him, if you're anchored in him, then when all else is failing around you, you're going to find that there's something in you that is solid enough to stand. And it's because your hope is in the word. All right, let's keep going. You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. Let's keep going. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help. And I put my hope in your words. Look at Psalms 130. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. Because I have put my hope in his word. If your hope is in his word, I'm just going to tell you, you can count on him. You can count on him. Your hope is there. Romans 15, 4. Such things were written in the scripture long ago to teach us. And the scriptures Give us hope and encouragement as we wait, say that next word, patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Can I tell you how, how you go from a promise to provision? The process between those two? If you have hope, then you wait patiently. The scriptures will give you Endurance, the scriptures will give you hope that what he said, he will fulfill. What he said, he will fulfill. If God says it to you, he'll fulfill it. You have to hold on to that hope. Can I tell you when God called me to begin to plant this church, 
I threw an anchor out. And as I went through my own mind of how that's supposed to look, and as I tried to talk to other church planners and try to get insight and info and, and, and read up on different church planning stuff, I realized it uh, doesn't sound very fun. Every church planner I talked to is burned out. They're tired, frustrated, they're cranky, they're irritable, they're losing their hair, it's turning gray. Some of that just still happens here too. But I thought, man, but you know why I never got away? Because the Lord told me he'll build the church. So whenever there's been problems and concerns rise up, which we've had, Whenever there's been things that I don't understand, I don't really know how to handle it. And there's times even trying to handle situations, I'm still human. And sometimes the flesh side of me gets frustrated with people. And then sometimes the spiritual side of me is so compassionate towards people. But sometimes those can mix a little bit. And sometimes I, I, I don't know how to properly handle something. And I have to remember, God, you know what? You said you would handle it. And if I keep my anchor in God, you're going to build the church. Then the, if the church is people and not a building, then I have to trust God that he's going to work in people. And I can't try to manipulate that and make that happen or, or, you know, make it be a certain way. I just know this, that when I pray for people in this church, all of you, when I pray for you, you know what I do? I say, God, you minister to them where they are. Because you know what? My anchor is in the fact that God is going to build this church. Because if my anchor is in my ability in some of these moments over the past four years when I've had situations to deal with or questions that come to me and I don't really know how to respond, I would realize, why am I hope in me? Why is my hope in me? Because I don't know how to handle that. But because I know God's going to handle it, I know exactly how to handle it. I stay connected and I keep my anchor in his word. And when anybody tries to come against his church that he builds, it says this, the gates of hell will not prevail. The enemy behind every evil thing will not prevail against this church if we keep our anchor in the fact and let God build it. You let God build you, no demon in hell will take you down. You let God build you, no storm in your life will take you down. You let God build you, no person on this earth can take you down. It's all about putting your hope in God, anchoring yourself to him. All right, let's look at hope. Romans 12, 2. Here's what we can do with our hope. Rejoice in our confident hope. And be patient in trouble. And keep on praying. Do you know how many times if we lose hope, we stop praying? We stop praying. We just think, well, it's hopeless. But when you have the hope that God's given you, you can rejoice in that. You can be patient even in the difficulty you're in, knowing I'm still praying. I'm still speaking his word. I'm still speaking his word because that's what his hope does. It works. Romans 4, 18. Look at this scripture. This is where Abraham is, you know, understanding the, the Lord gave him a promise about his Sarah, them having a baby, and he's he's. 100 years old. I mean, they're old. So it's not like, you know, I mean, just imagine, imagine your great-grandma coming to you saying, listen, I'm pregnant. Okay, that's how weird that would be. All right? That's, that would be weird. 
So it says, even when there was no reason for a hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God has said to him that that's how many descendants you will have. See, Abraham knew there was a promise. But here's what this is. When there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. There's two hopes right there. Man's and God's. Because in man's eyes, there's no reason for hoping. You're too old. It's not going to happen. We already know that. But in God's eyes, there's still hope. I don't know where you're facing. I don't know what situation you're in, your job, your family, your 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 uh, relationships, your 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 children, just your personal life. I don't know. But I know this: when there seems to be no hope, you got to dig to a deeper hope. Because God's hope is more of a noun. Like, it's, it's hope. It's not verb like man's hope that says, well, I hope it works. Okay, you're, you're hoping something works. So you just, we just throw that word hope. We just throw that word out. You know, we go out to eat, man. I, I hope they still got some of that barbecue. Okay, that's not deep hope. The hope God's talking about, it's, it's, it's a confidence. It's a stance. It's, 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 it's a thing. I am not hoping. I have hope. You see the difference? I have hope. I don't hope this happens. I have hope this will happen. There's a difference. Are you following me? Are you confused? We have hope. We talked at the beginning, God's plan for you gives you a hope. Not the ability to hope. One day I hope. No, he says, listen, I'm giving you hope. Hope. You have hope. You don't have to hope something might happen. Listen, you have hope in you. Christ in you is the hope of all glory. You have him. There's hope for you. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. This is how things happen. Listen, things happen if you'll hold on to the hope that you have. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. You keep that anchor where it is. And I'm telling you, when storms come, when, and they will, they will come. If you keep holding on, then when the storm settles, you are still going to be anchored in what God's promise to you was. I don't care if that storm lasts for three minutes or three months or three years. If you will keep holding on without wavering to the hope that God has given you, then when it's all said and done, you will see that God can be trusted to keep his promise. When he said, I'll provide for you, and you go through all this stuff, and there's all this thing happening, you don't understand, and, and why me, and what happened here, and why me? But if you hold on to this, when it's all done, you're going to find that the word of God is true, that the righteous have never been forsaken. Because you're grounded. But if you don't have it in the word, then you're going to have very 
little resource available to you when time is tough. Because if it's in people, listen, when the storm comes, people are going to run. And if your anchor is there, then you're going with them. When people fall flat on their face, guess what? If your anchor is in them, you'll fall too. There's a lot of people aren't serving God because their pastor messed up. Or they saw, listen, don't anchor to a pastor. Whatever you're anchored in, hold on to it. Hold on to it. Hebrews 11.1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. You know what faith does? Faith says, my hope is in the word, so I am going to act out where my hope is. I'm going to respond by faith because I have hope in this. I have hope that God will meet my needs. So I'm going to act out and I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm not going to just go by what I can see, but I'm going to allow the faith in me that is connected to the hope I have in him and in his faithfulness and in his goodness and in his provision. Then when I'm faced something and I see in the natural, there's no way this can happen. But because my hope is here, I walk by faith. And I find out that without faith, you can't please God. So you have to take a step in pleasing God to say, because I believe and I have this hope that's in the word, then I can follow God's plan even when it doesn't seem to make sense to me because it was by faith that Abraham believed. It was by faith that, that, that uh, all those other people in Hebrews 11 <laughs> believed. My mind just shut down. It's by faith people did it. By faith, Moses. By faith, Enoch. By faith, all of these people in Hebrews 11, they operated by faith. Faith. Why did, why did the three Hebrew children decide they weren't going to bow down? They even told the king, listen, you can turn that fire up as hot as you want, but we will not bow to your God because we have hope that our God will rescue us. And even if he doesn't, we have hope that we'll be with him forever. So we still are not going to bow down to what you're going to do. And by faith, they stayed the course. And God showed up. God showed up. They put their faith in action. Romans 5, 3 through 5. You're going to love this one. Talked about persecution last week. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Amen? How many faced a problem this week and you're like, hallelujah. <laughs> we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. For we know they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our hope, our confident hope of salvation. Do you know what carries you through? Listen, if you have this confident hope in you. You will be able to do that. It'll continue to build on the hope that you already have. Because here's what it says. Go back to, yeah, leave it right there. Um, This hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how God dearly loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Go back to verse 4 real quick. Character strengthens our confident hope. It strengthens our hope. It doesn't give us hope like we don't have it. It strengthens it. So we already have it. So because we have hope, we can rejoice when difficulty comes. Why? 
We're not rejoicing like, yay, I love difficulty. That's not what we're doing. But we're rejoicing to say, guess what? The difficulty is not going to take me because I'm anchored in something stronger. I'm anchored in God. I'm anchored in his word. So when this difficulty comes, it's not going to get me. Matter of fact, I'm going to get stronger through this because I'm going to see, you know what makes you stronger? You're going to see God's faithfulness, and you're going to see at the end you're still holding on. You're still in the same place, believing God the way you believed before. You're standing firm. You're not being moved. And when you walk through that and you begin to see the endurance come, and that endurance gives you a stronger sense of character, and that character strengthens the hope you already have to say, see, it worked. Now I'm even that much more stronger. Now I know I'm not letting go because last time I didn't let go, and I made it. So when it comes this time, I'm that much more confident that if I hold on, I'll make it. We got to sometimes go back and remember God has been faithful to us because we're holding on to our hope that's in him. And if we have that hope and we've seen him come through and we've seen him be faithful, then why get upset and lose it the next time a storm comes? We've already seen his faithfulness. So hold on. Preach it, Jenkins. That's good. All right. Luke 137, all things are possible with God. 1 Peter 3, 14 and 15. Here's the good part about hope. This is how we make a difference in the world. If you suffer for doing what's right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, worship Christ. See, he doesn't say, don't be afraid of their threats. You know what? You tell them. That's not what he says. He says, instead, instead of responding with get them because they tried to get you, he says, worship me. Worship Christ as Lord of your life. And then someone asks you about your Christian hope, be ready to explain it. Be ready to say, you want to know how I can stand? Listen, you're in a storm? Hold this. Hold this. It's that easy. You're, we're in a storm. We're seeing, we're seeing people float by us. They keep, they're just floating by us. We're like, well, I'm safe. Listen, be ready when people see that you're safe and they're like, hey, 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 hey. Be ready to give them some hope. Be ready to extend some hope to them. Say, listen, this hope is not in me. It's what I'm anchored in. Your anchor, so you got it in that person and they're floating down the water with you. Guess what? Let me take that anchor. Let me anchor it right here in the thing my anchor's in. And guess what? When it's all said and done, we'll be standing here together. Because our anchor is in something that ain't moving. Last scripture. John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. That's a choice you have. Don't let your heart be troubled. Then he says this. There's more than enough room in my father's home. This is where I saw what I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You know why the scripture's in here? In my notes, it's in the Bible because God wanted it there. But you know what's in my notes? It's because this is kind of weird in some way. When <clears throat> this is right after they were talking about Peter denying Jesus and all this stuff. And, and then he says this. He's like, uh, listen, don't, don't get troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. And he doesn't go into all this stuff. He goes straight into, guess what? When it's all said and done, this place is temporary. 
Don't lose hope in all this stuff in this world because this is temporary. I'm actually getting ready to go because I'm preparing a place for you, a place that there will be no lack, a place there will be no struggle, a place there will be no pain, a place there will be no tears of sorrow, a place there will be no disappointment, a place there will be no rejection, a place that will be no, uh, you know, whatever's happened to you. So Jesus just tells them straight up, listen, this earth is just it's temporary. Don't lose hope because of this little season of your life. Can I remind you of something that I said just a couple weeks ago? I've said it a few times, but I'm more and more aware of it. We're not citizens of this place. We're citizens of heaven, according to the word. That's our home. And it's being prepared right now. How many have ever built a house? When you drive by and you're seeing the progress, that's our house. That's our home. This is our new neighborhood. And, 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 and you're just excited about it and you talk about it. When we were moving in that process, we were in a neighborhood and it had just been a lot of crime. The police even called our house and said, keep your garage door and your doors locked, even when you're home, before we moved. It's not the neighborhood you want to raise your kids in. But during that process, I was able to handle that a little better. Now, I did walk around our property, and we prayed. We covered it. But I will tell you this. As soon as we had an opportunity and as soon as we signed the deal on a new place, and we knew that would take some time, we got in it, man, the journey was a lot easier. You know why? Because I know, hey, we got another home. Hey, a couple more weeks, y'all. Just tough it out. A few more weeks. But guess what? There's a home we're going to. A place way better than this. Got a swimming pool. Got other kids your age. Nobody's been killed in that neighborhood. Made it easier. Can I just tell you something? Y'all look at me. I'm going to close out. We ain't got much longer. Our home is almost ready. I'm more convinced now than ever that that Trump is warming up. And it ain't going to be long when we're reunited with God, face to face with him. And I'm just telling you, listen, keep hope alive. Hold on. But I'm telling you, we're close. We're close. Don't get so discouraged about this place because we're almost out of here. But can I tell you one reason why we're still here? Because God wants more people up there with him. He says he's not, he's not slow. He's patient. Because his plan is a lot would come to know him. We got to stop criticizing everything that's happening in this world. We got to start do something to make a difference.